GLC presents Brought to you by the donations of our faithful partners Hello, welcome back to the show I just love doing this show And I have so many of you all over the world Writing me, telling me what you're getting out of it it's been a surprise to me that it's men and women both because when we started this show, it was really supposed to just be for women, but it hadn't worked out that way. I probably have easily as many men watching as women. So you know, when I do these lessons, I have to think about how does it apply to a man and how does it apply to a woman? When does it apply to a marriage? When does it apply to a family? And when does it apply to a career? Today, we're talking about a woman from the Bible who made a big mistake, big mistake, Eve. And the title of the lesson is, A Good Woman Who Made a Bad Mistake, A Good Girl Who Made a Bad Mistake. There's a lot of evil people in the world and they do bad things, they don't care, they don't care if it hurts anybody, they don't care about anybody, they just wanna do what they wanna do. And then there's good people who make really serious mistakes. And what does God say about that? What does God do about that? Have you ever done it? It's heartbreaking. Have you ever wondered how the only two people in the world created by God could mess up? Both of them. It's just amazing. And what's worse is we're still suffering from it. The sin of Adam passed down to all of us. And I've wondered, how in the world could that happen, God, when you only created two and they couldn't do it right? They messed up at the very beginning. When you get to wondering how your children could have messed up when you tried so hard with them, you remember this story. God only had two kids and they both messed up. So if you're struggling from something with your children, just remember this. Did you train them up in the way that they should go like Proverbs says? Did you teach them right from wrong? Did you teach them how to conduct themselves? Well, you as a parent are responsible for their character and helping build character into their lives, but you're not responsible for their choices. And good people make bad choices. And sometimes kids make bad choices for a long time. What's your part in it? Let go. Let God have them. But pray your head off. Because you never know when it's going to turn back for good. And always remember, it's just a chapter in the book of their life. And God is faithful. That's why it's so important that you lead your children to faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior, when they're young. Because then the Holy Spirit's on the inside of them, working, talking. When they're not a believer, He's only on the outside. And that's why you want to work with your children when they're young. Get them in Sunday school, get them around Christian kids, watch out who their friends are, because good friends corrupt, bad friends corrupt good morals, don't they? Now get your Bible. Today we're going to study Genesis 3, 1 to 4. And I'm uh, working today out of the New Living Bible. Actually, the verse is that, 
but I'm also working with other translations. If you'll notice, when they do these scriptures up on the screen, it'll tell you what translation I'm working with. And I primarily work with NIV, NLT, King James, and the Message Bible. So I, I just always look to see which one do I think says it the clearest for you. Today, Genesis 3, 1 to 4. It's talking about that serpent, the devil. And it says he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. Now, we know foxes are shrewd. We know that, don't we? Uh, there's other animals that seem to have uh, an ability to see things. Eagles. But the Bible says the serpent was the shrewdest of all of them. Well, no wonder they fell for his tricks. He was shrewd. You have to have a lot of discernment. So one day he asked the woman, did God really say you can't eat any the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And she said, well, we can eat any of the fruit we want in the garden. We just can't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. We're not allowed to eat it. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now you go back and you read what God said to her. He did not say one thing about if you touch it. He just said don't eat of it. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and then you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. He was already working on her. You know, the devil knows your weak points. He knows where to get you. He knows where to get me. That's why we have to stay on our guard. That's why we have to live close to Jesus. It was a trap. He shrewdly set a trap. Have you ever walked into a trap? Have you ever done it in your heart first? And then the next thing you know, you walked into that trap and snap. That trap had you and you couldn't get out. That happens a lot with addiction. I know that. You think, oh, I can handle it. I can quit drinking anytime I want to. And then the next thing you know, you can't quit no matter how much you want. Let me ask you something else. Have you ever come face to face with someone who doubted God's word? Oh, well, just get out in the world. Absolutely, today, the Bible is not the final authority for most people. They'll say, well, you know, a lot of people wrote that. Who knows if that's right? It's got discrepancies. They've never checked it out. They're just parroting what they've heard other people say. But it's not true. It is the final authority. It needs to be the final authority in your life. If God says don't do something in the Bible, don't do it. Does not matter who comes with a great argument and says, oh, no, it's okay. You can really do it because God's the final authority and he's the final judge and you have to answer to him. One time I was asking God, what's judgment day going to be like? And I had a vision. And in this vision, we were all walking down the hall, all of us going to meet the judge and having to answer for our lives. And on the walls on each side as we walked down were things that we had said and things that God had said. And whether you said it right or whether you said it wrong, you could tell you were being judged by your words. 
on the way to meeting the judge. And it was scary because you couldn't deny it. It was your words, your voice. So you have to learn that when the devil comes to you and he wants to trap you and say, oh, it's okay, it's really okay, and even come up with a pretty logical argument, little twist in it, but a logical argument, then you have to remember what God's Word says. So that means you have to know God's Word. How well do you know God's Word? One time I went through a thing where somebody tried to convince me that a sin was okay, and it really got me confused because the argument was so logical. See, the devil's shrewd. He can be logical. And I came home, and a little song was playing on TV on uh, Sesame Street or something my kids were watching, and it was Do What the Good Book Says was the name of the song. Eve could have saved herself heartache. Adam could have saved himself heartache and saved all of us heartache if they had just done what God said and said to the devil, get out of here. Think about this. You know, Adam was standing right there. It's not like it was just Eve and the devil, the serpent. Adam was standing there. Well, why didn't he stand up and say, hey, I'm over all the animals. I have dominion over the animals. You are lying. That's not what God said. Get out of here. Why didn't he do that? Why did he let his wife influence him to do wrong? Did he think, hey, you try it. If it works for you, I might try it. Did he think, well, maybe she's right. What in the world happened that this all fell apart at the very beginning? Their lives were ruined. Ruined. And their children had sinned. Yeah, what was that all about? God made people to have free will. You have free will. You can choose yes or no to everything. In fact, you know what your greatest privilege is in the whole world? In everything, I don't care if you're rich or poor, young or old, where you live in the world, is the power of choice. You can choose to do good. And you can choose to go deeper with God. You can choose. And Adam and Eve chose the wrong thing. And God, in this big mess, have you ever gone exploring? Have you ever gone out and checked things out and discovered you got more than you bargained for? God didn't give them another chance. And there's times God's not going to give you another chance. It's like, no, you shouldn't have done it. And look what's happened. Well, what leads us to look and be tempted in the first place? Why would we be tempted if we love God? And I know if you're watching this show, you love God. If you don't know God and you're watching this show, you're looking for God. You wouldn't be watching me and listening. You'd be channel surfing. And instead, you're listening and going, what's she talking about? What's that all about? And, and so what leads us to look for temptation or be led into temptation. The first thing is there's something missing in your life. Maybe love, maybe affection, maybe money, position, prominence, something. Deep trouble you want to try to get out of the wrong way. Something is missing in your life. 
And instead of going to God and saying, this is very important to me, it's missing, I don't have it, would you please do something, take care of it, show me what to do, but I'm looking to you, Lord, to meet the need. What else? Rebellion to authority. There's a lot of rebellious people. They don't have any intention of listening to anybody. And some of you watching this show are in jail. You're in prison because you write me. I know about you. Look back at your life. What place did rebellion have in your life? Rebellion to authority. Did you say, I'm not listening to anybody. I know what's best for my life. I don't care what they've said. And actually, that's probably what Adam and Eve did. They rebelled against what God said. But what else was in their life? They were naive. They'd never been around evil. They'd just been in the garden. It was good. Everything was good. God was good. It was a wonderful place to be. And they fell out of their naivety. I can be naive. I understand that. I believe the best about everybody until they prove me wrong. And God wants us to learn how to develop discernment. I've had to really work on it. That when people tell you things, is that really what they're telling you? And are they telling you everything? Are they holding back something important? What's another one that causes people, to, good people, to make a bad mistake? Looking for excitement. They think, my life is boring. Nothing's going on. I need some, I need some action. And well, they get action all right. Did you know there's a proverb that says, the godly man's life is exciting. The backslider's life is boring. And you think, what? Church is boring. God is boring. I don't get anything out of all of that. What do you mean that's exciting? We're not into the real God stuff. You get in there in the Bible and you find out, hey, these people gave their lives for this. Hey, they had an exciting life. They had exciting adventures for God. Get in on that one. It is exciting. I've done this for 37 years. I've served Jesus with all my heart. I'm telling you, this little book can change your life. And if you do what it says, I can guarantee you, you will see miracles, signs, wonders, amazing things, and you understand that God is exciting. God is adventure with a capital A. E is the way to do it. Not sin. Sin ruins you. Could Eve have stopped herself at the point of temptation? Sure. You think God was talking to her in her heart? Yes. She knew God. God loved them. He loves you. He will go to great lengths to keep you from making a mistake. Sometimes you just feel it on the inside of you. Something doesn't feel right. And it's like, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. God, what is it? God will say, wait, and you'll figure it out. You'll see. So God has his own little warning system between you and him. You need to figure out what that is. You need to know. Now, when that's happening, I may not know what's going on, but I know that's God talking to me. So till I figure it out, back up. How do you feel when you don't stop? How do you feel afterwards? How do you feel when you realize you've been deceived? 
or you fell for something, or you rebelled and did something, or you were naive and did something, or you were looking for excitement and it was in the wrong place. How do you feel after that? I know how I felt. One time we went to Rome <clears throat> on a vacation. It was our 35th anniversary, kind of like a little honeymoon again. I've been married 41 years, but this was 35. And I bought this book called Italy for Dummies. And it was telling all these places you ought to go and things you ought to see that you, the guidebooks didn't tell you about. So it told about this painting in this church in Florence, Rome. I mean, in Rome. Yeah, no, it was in Florence. And so it said, this is where you go, and you go down here, and you go down here. And so I said to my husband, I want to see that picture. They say you really need to see it. So it was very difficult to find. It was some out-of-the-way place, and we found it. I'm so glad I saw it. Because when you see pictures of Adam and Eve, whether it's a Botticelli painting or somebody doing a painting, Eve looks so demure and pure, and Adam looks so manly. This man painted a picture of Adam and Eve being thrown out of the Garden of Eden with an angel above them, making, them, making sure they left. The man captured the devastation, the pain, the, the anguish, the broken hearts of these two people who lost what they had, and it was the best. And this man captured it. I've never forgotten that picture because that's the picture that Satan doesn't want you to see. He doesn't want me to see. Sin looks so good. It says in Proverbs, sin's pleasant for a season, but afterwards it ends in death, and it does. Now let me ask you another question. When you're tempted to make a bad mistake and you don't do it, how do you feel then? You feel good, don't you? You're proud of yourself. You feel closer to God. I want to tell you a little thing I live by, though. We're all going to make mistakes. We all do. And they usually cause pain, whether a big mistake or a little mistake. But you can beat yourself up for the mistakes that you have made, and it won't do you any good. In fact, it probably will hold you back. Just beating yourself up. How could I have done that? How could I have been so stupid? Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I stop when I could have stopped? And it, will, and it will not help you grow in God. It's not the right way to handle it. What's the right way to handle it? Lord, teach me everything I can learn out of it. If I had to go through it, change me, teach me, correct me, let me. Let me be a hundred times better because I'm turning to you. And then I have a little principle I call the principle of next time. And that's what I do with myself, so maybe you might want to do it. I say to myself, next time, this is what I'll do. And when I work with people and I'm their leader and they're afraid to step out because they're afraid they'll make a mistake, I say, get out there and make your mistakes and come to me and we'll talk about it. We'll figure out what you could do next time. And you try that. It, it gives you hope. It gives you encouragement. So here, if you look at this second scripture, 
In Genesis 3, 6 to 7, the woman was convinced, Satan's right, the serpent's right. She saw the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband and he ate it too. At that moment, it wasn't three days later, a week later, it was the minute. Think about when Peter heard the cock crow the third time. He instantly knew what he had done and he went out and wept bitterly. That's the devastation. Weeping bitterly is a horrible thing. What happened to them? Well, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. What a sad thing. All right, let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about humans. Let's talk about people we know. And, and I want you to remember these little steps I'm going to give you because you may have to share them with someone else. In fact, every time you watch this show, I hope you have a pencil and a paper and you take notes. All right, you've messed up. What do you do? The first thing to do is admit you did and repent. Name the baby. Yes, I did that. Yes, I did it. Oh, we're so scared to do that. Inside of us, it's like, if I admit it, what'll happen? I'll tell you what'll happen. God'll take care of it. It doesn't matter what happens with people. After that, God will take care of you because you did the right thing. So admit it and repent. There are people that we see in the news today and they have made a bad mistake and they'll finally admit it, but they don't repent. You can tell they're not heart sick they did it. They're sorry they got caught. So admit it and repent. Repent's one of the most favorite things I do before the Lord. I love to repent. And I have to do it. And I just say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry I did. And I name it. Please forgive me. But Lord, strengthen me stronger than ever so I'd never come here again. What's the next thing you have to do? Well, you're going to have to make the best of what happens after it because you have to suffer the consequences a lot of times. Get people to speak into your life. Do you have someone who speaks into your life? Or are you a person that's so strong-willed and so bullheaded, people can't tell you anything? I know, I know, I know. Well, no, you don't know. You need people who can say to you, are you crazy? What are you doing? Or why are you doing that? All right, that's wrong. You need people like that in your life. If you don't have anybody like that, you say, God, give me somebody like that. But we all have people over us that we're accountable to. We have to let people speak into our life. We can't do it by ourselves. The next one is to be teachable and correctable. Adam and Eve messed up, their kids messed up, Cain killed his brother, they had Seth, and out of Seth, good finally came. So are you teachable? Can people teach you things and you're hungry to grow? You never get to be so big in life that people can't teach you things. You never get so busy in life 
that people don't need to correct you about things. It's not pleasant. I don't like it any more than you do. But I like the after effects of it. And it talks about that in Hebrews. It says it's not pleasant while you're going through it, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that's one way you know you belong to God because it says he corrects those that belong to him. Well, what practical steps can you take to make sure you stay away from mistakes? What, what I told you in the beginning, do you know the Word of God? Do you read the Word of God every day? Every day do you sit down, open up the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I don't care what you talk to me about. Just speak to me and teach me. Are you in church? There's a lot of people. The Bible says in the end times there's going to be a great falling away. There's lots of people that don't go to church. They say, well, there's hypocrites in church. Well, I just want to tell you something. There's hypocrites where you work. There's hypocrites in the bar you go to. So God, Jesus went to church every Sunday, as was his custom. Now, you don't think Jesus didn't see those hypocrites? He could see right through to everybody's heart. He still went to church every Sunday, as was his custom. He wanted to honor God by an act of worship. Another is prayer. Praying about your weaknesses. The Bible says, in your weakness, I am made strong. So I just go to God all the time. I, I let him show me a weakness or I see one myself, in myself, and I say, Lord, see this area. I'm so weak in it. Would you strengthen me in it? And I may have to pray it 10 times. I may have to pray it over several months. But God answers the prayer, and he strengthens you. The other is you've got to have fellowship with other Christians, not just people you're accountable to who correct you, but people that are serving God with a pure heart. Because when you listen to them talk, it inspires you to want to have a pure heart, a pure life. Eve had one final mistake, and this is a big one because we all do it. It's one we all make. We want to put the blame on someone else. And she said that. Well, it was the snake. It was the serpent that caused me to do it. And Adam said, it was the woman you gave me that caused me to do it. Who do you tend to blame first? A friend, the devil, your job, people. If you're at fault, you say, I am at fault. Fear makes us pass the blame. Just say, it was my fault and I'm sorry. You can survive bad mistakes. Ask Jesus into your life. Say, I believe, come in, I need you. Hello, I'm Betty Swan with Betty Swan Ministries and Pennies from Heaven. You are doing an incredible job. It is the most amazing thing. I think it's going to die and it just keeps getting bigger. We are now over $32,000. Isn't that amazing? To God be the glory. Take your pennies, take your change, save it up, put it in Wells Fargo Bank. We have fed together people in 11 countries, over 400,000 meals. In Vietnam, you can feed for four cents. In Africa, you can feed for six cents. So together, 
We're doing a great thing. We're feeding the poor with what America throws away. It's just an amazing thing. Tell all your friends to help because every penny counts. We just found $1.76 on the ground on our vacation. You can find it too. It's a great work for God. Order your copy today from the GLC Bookstore by calling the number on your screen. Please include the program number when ordering. 